This is the Open Forum Podcast. Welcome to episode 15 of the Open Forum Podcast. My name is Mike Miller, joined by my co-host Mike Martinez to bring you the news, helpful insight, and more from the world of physical education. What's up, Mike? I'm having the time of my life, buddy. It's it's late November. Yeah, it is. It's one of my favorite times of year. The holidays are upon us, which always just kind of warms my heart a little bit, a little extra special during the year. Now, um, this will be releasing around New Year's time. Yes. So we will be back in school after winter break and Celebr jumping into the second half of the year. Celebrating my birthday, by the yeah. way. Big January 2nd. Yeah, buddy. Feel free to send gifts if you'd like. <laughs> but even more exciting than the new year and my birthday are the guests that we have on today. To give you folks a little bit of context and a little bit of background, this is going to be an episode that speaks a little bit more... I guess, personally, to my heart, uh, adapted physical education is something that I feel very passionately about. And I'm sure anyone who's listening to this who believes in delivering high quality PE to all students will definitely have a chord struck by this episode as well. I could pretend to speak intelligently <laughs> about it, or I could just bring in two of the highest, most absolute experts in the field in our country. And that is Tracy Charlotte and Laura Brickhouse. Tracy, why don't you kick us off, introduce yourself, and tell the world who you are. I'm Tracy Charlotte. I live in, uh, in St. Regis Falls, New York, up in the Adirondack Mountains. I teach at Potsdam uh, Central School, but I work for a cooperative educational service called BOCES, Board of Cooperative Educational Services. And we provide services for students who cannot get the services they need from their own school districts. And I've been teaching for 33 years. Ooh. Excellent. Thank you for taking a few minutes to join us today. 33 years. And Miss Laura, who are you? <laughs> I am from North Carolina. Currently live there. I've lived there all my life. I live in Winston-Salem right now. And I taught adapted physical education for 12 years and absolutely loved it. And this is actually the first year that I've gotten out of uh, adapted PE and moved to a more one-on-one -on -one behavior therapy type uh, setting. So I do implement exercise programs with kids with severe disabilities and autism and run behavior programs. Excellent. Very, very nice. And thank you as well for popping on with us. For those of you who uh, just to peel the curtain back a little bit, <laughs> Laura is on a, a cross state journey. You probably hear her driving in the background. Hopefully you don't hear any road rage incidents on the way. But She's using hands-free. It's fine. She is using hands-free. She has her, her lovely and talented mother in the car with her as well. So thank you, Mom, for being a part of the show today as well. <laughs> well, I have to keep telling her to pipe down. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you both for, for being on with us today. We really appreciate it. So yeah. let's jump right in. Uh, we talked about adapted PE and what uh, – it's a term that, unfortunately for some, is still a little bit foreign, a little bit scary at times. I know in my little isolated bubble, there's a misconception that if you don't have any kids in wheelchairs in your classes, then you don't need adapted PE. In your own words, I guess, Tracy, kick us off. What does adapted PE mean to you? Well, I'm going to uh, quote the mother of adapted PE, Claudine Cheryl. And in 1975, she, she said this, and her visions are just amazing, but all good physical education is adapted physical education. I mean, this was in 1975. I wish that that had caught on 
better at that time in life Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, almost 50 years later, we're finally starting to really talk about inclusion, et cetera. But, um, you know, it, there's, there's definitely, it's modifications, adaptations to a typical physical education curriculum and environment. But I just want to throw out there and I'm sure Laura will give her ideas on what she feels adapted PR, but I just really feel like, it should be a fun, engaging, healthy, socially emotional environment that promotes um, learning uh, to establish lifelong habits, just like general PE is. Yeah, and it's specially designed on on individual basis. So even though I may have eight students in a class, students with autism, you know, maybe only a couple of those students have specific goals, you know, waiting their turn or working with a partner or anything like that. They have specific goals that we're working on with them that transfer into cross-curricular instruction and, and you know, multi-environments. So, so we track the data and have the results and just keep writing goals for these kids. I feel like there's so much gold just in that first answer. <laughs> I feel like we can almost wrap things up already. Um, one thing, to go back to Tracy's answer that already struck a chord with me, I feel like as a quote-unquote like general ed PE teacher, anyone who's, I guess, worth their salt, structures your own class that same way, right? You have 30 different kids who have 30 different skill levels, 30 different behavioral needs and emotional needs. So why would it be any different than just taking the individual student, figuring out what his or her needs are, and then making those adjustments or modifications to to help them succeed in any environment possible, right? Right, and, and that's the thing with physical educators, and I'll always say is that you're already doing this. Yeah. You're right. already adapting for every kid. It's just taking it to the next level. That's for sure. Now, one thing that I've been following a, a little bit more and more on Twitter and Facebook and things like that is this quote unquote new concept of unified PE, which is, I guess, blend, instead of having a separate adapted PE class, kind of blending able-bodied students and students with disabilities Is that the same as adapted PE? Is that different? What does unified PE mean to you? Well, uh, so unified PE is typically at the middle or high school level, and it is. It's your general uh, education population working with the special populations. And um, it's a great program. It's really good, you know, for that exposure for kids, you know, to work together. And it's also a really good time. They plan uh, an event at the end, and then that's always kind of like the finale. Um, but it's not the same as adapted physical education in that they're not receiving education. They're receiving social, emotional skill development, things like that, but they're not actually receiving it from a physical educator, a certified physical educator. Well, when I taught in middle school, I had a leave replacement one year where I was teaching mostly, you know, regular PE. And then I had one section with our middle school had a autism program. So I had, I believe, eight students um, and they were all somewhere on spectrum and they all had different needs and different behaviors and things like that. The cool thing was that I had them every single day. I shared the gym and I team taught every other day so I could work on movement goals and their behavior goals and things like that on the one day where it was just us. And then I could design some experiences to hit their social emotional goals and their social socialization goals on the days where we had the regular gen ed kids in. Um, That's a great setup. Yeah. So it was, it was their self-contained 
their self-contained environment one day and then I guess that unified PE uh, environment every other day as well. So it was, it was, it was really cool. So Mike, let me ask you, how did, yeah. how did that make you feel as a PE teacher? I mean, walking away from an experience like that, what can, how can you explain how you felt? It was, I will always say that I learned more about teaching from those eight children that one year than I've ever learned in the rest of my teaching career. Pretty much wrote eight separate lesson plans a day for each of those kids. I developed more as a professional and an educator that one year than I did in, in the rest of my career. It, it was it was tough, it, but it was amazing. They were great kids. So I just wanna say, you get it, thank you. And oh, yeah. if we could all, you, both you and Mike get it. And if we could really bring forth this attitude philosophy to all PE teachers, it would be wonderful. And the cool thing is, is that you can do something with your younger kids. Like Unified PE is out there. It's mm -hmm. it's getting great coverage. I love it. But you can think outside the box. And Laura and I have ongoing conversations about adaptive PE is always about thinking outside the box. Oh, yeah. This year, we started a really cool program called Physical Enrichment Club, where we keep our kids in their APE classes, but we developed, um, I teach kids on the spectrum. I'm in an applied behavioral analysis program. Mm -hmm. We took kids who were, we thought had met criteria to be in a, make it back into general PE, which is our all-time goal is to right. get them back in an inclusionary setting. And we developed two separate classes in two different age groups where we have 14 kids in the class, 14 kids or 15 kids. I work in an auxiliary gym, mm -hmm. which is very small. Yeah. And so what we did is we created the environment uh, of a physical education classroom that what we worked with the concept of proximity and space. So we took all these kids, threw them in one space and we taught them the social emotional, like we work on standard four um, personal and social responsibility goals in there. Within three weeks, we identified four students out of one classroom, five out another of another, and we picked a general PE class that they could go to in a club basis, not on a not on a program basis. It's a club, and they are doing unbelievably well and we're just so excited about it and we're gonna eventually move them out of APE and into you know a general PE setting which is so exciting and to have the flexibility to design that experience for them is amazing because right. a, a, a big concept for those out there who aren't familiar with you know the jargon and the setting is in, in APE and is in special education as a whole is, is least restrictive environment so you want Correct. those kids to be in whatever whatever environment that were the, the least amount of support that they need to be successful you want them in that space because you don't want to pile on the support and do things for them if they could either figure out or be completely capable to do it on their own so to have the flexibility to pull that class to design that experience just to I, I get assess their skills and develop those behaviors and those skills that they need um, on their IEPs is is a big big resource to have. Yeah. So now to kind of tie all, all three of these thoughts together from from Laura, from Tracy, and that Mike was just sharing, and to kind of I guess bridge the gap between 
the able-bodied, the students with disabilities is a concept that I believe, I'm gonna give Laura credit for this, I think I heard her talk about this at a session that she presented, was the, the term universal design. And Tracy kind of touched on this earlier that, you know, we're already making modifications for all of our students to make sure they can all be successful. Uh, Laura told a story, and Laura, if this wasn't you, I apologize, but you, I'm giving you credit for it now anyway, about architects <laughs> who were designing these big, gorgeous buildings and then had to add a ramp to it to make sure it was accessible for all. And it kind of took away from the aesthetics of the building. So universal design meant that they would still do the same exact thing, but add the ramp as part of their design so it was still aesthetically pleasing, but now accessible for all. What does that mean, starting with Laura, in the context of PE? I feel like I, that was definitely Laura, because I feel like I've had this conversation <laughs> with her as well. <laughs> so I think you're right. Thinking, thinking outside the box, always. <laughs> as far as PE goes, you, you know, universal design for learning is exactly that. Instead of backtracking and, and trying to put in modifications and adaptations, you do it from the beginning because we, everyone has special needs. It's just distinguishing who has what special need. And UDL and Universal Design for Learning does that ahead of time. And, and like the open curriculum has UDL, you know, formatted and, and part of modules. And it's just a really good way to go in and make these simple modifications for your students. But it's also a really good way to look at it ahead of time and design all your units and your lessons based on every student in the classroom. Absolutely. Tracy, add to that for us. You know, I've been teaching, like I said, for 33 years. And when I started, modifications and adaptations were directly related to specific disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, like, I have my master's in adapted PE. I studied those disabilities. But to understand each disability, each potential contraindication for different services for that disability, that's a lot to put on a general physical education teacher. So this universal design for learning, the options that we have, we focus on, we focus on the environment, we focus on the rules, we focus on the equipment. And a lot of teachers are good at that. But the one thing that I truly feel teachers need to focus more on is the teaching strategies. Mm -hmm. And that being that I'm really into working with students who are on the spectrum. I'm really into um, the VAC learning style, which is visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. Mm -hmm. And we tend to, if you think about it, in the in our profession, our environment, physical ed environment, you have mostly an auditory environment, unless you as the teacher put forth the effort to focus on the visuals and what is needed to help students who are visually dominant learners be um, able to <clears throat> access um, the information that you're sharing. For sure. So even so even when you like so as a physical educator, when we first when we first uh, go over our lesson, we're usually talking about it. Back in the day, that's all they did. They just talked about it. And I think we're becoming better now where we're using like uh, big screens in the gym and visual cues, you know, picture exchange cards, et cetera, uh, to and, and schedules, uh, visual schedules for our students to help them and accommodate their learning styles. I know personally, that's one thing I'm, I've been making a very big personal push on is shifting away from just me explaining things 
or demonstrating, but having either a video or a GIF of a cue, of a skill cue that's playing so the kid can see it, verbal direction right. so they can read it, and then hearing me as well so that they can get it from three different uh, modalities, if you will, and be able yeah, to learn in that respect. It gives you the opportunity to play it and walk around and give one-on-one -on -one feedback. Absolutely. Correct. There's also a big emphasis yes. in our evaluations as teachers, for Mike and I, we teach in New York City, about tackling different learning styles inside of our lessons so and that's now, great yeah and it's a, there's a big emphasis on it which which helps develop the skills of your teachers if if that's you know where they're a little bit deficient i can put it in a really easy way for pe teachers to understand say you have like a 25 kids in your class the kindergartners right <laughs> and you're doing a long jump rope unit and you want them to perform the skill but then get back in line you know, you do a great visual demonstration, right? But I'd say probably that sixth <laughs> kindergartner who is doing the, the skill has messed up. Yep. And then so that is the new visual for the rest of the class. And it was you the best demonstration of your life. <laughs> you really thought you nailed it. <laughs> it's that thing cat's mentality. Let's yeah. do something to not hurt them. Yeah, Let's change up the... <laughs> Now, I want to expand a little bit on something that Tracy was talking about a little bit, just a little earlier. You mentioned the, the different modifications, things like space, like rules, like equipment. I know one thing that I've struggled with in the past, uh, I, I have more experience working with students who have autism than I do students who have physical disabilities. But just like our gen ed students who have a billion different variables and factors, there are tons and tons of different disabilities that a student can bring into a classroom. So how do you differentiate to, uh, to accommodate, say, a student who has mo mobility issues versus a cognitive delay versus, I guess, any of the myriad of different disabilities that exist in the world? Well, in self-contained adaptive PE class, that's, that's a lot more easy than if you're in the general PE class. But, you know, you don't have to, you don't always have to give the same lesson. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, I know Open put out a whole bunch of uh, Olympic uh, modules. Yes. And, and so what they did to really create equity is they, they, they suggested in modules that let's focus on para-Olympians. Let's put our lesson together in such a way that um, we are accommodating for all and we're teaching acceptance, et cetera, and understanding of different disabilities. So that's one way, and I think Laura was in on writing those modules, so she might have something to say about that. Yeah, I, I just think that differentiating between disabilities and, um, you know, the physical disabilities versus behavioral, where I learn the most about a student and, and how to, you know, teach that student is by observing them in their school environment, so not just in PE but observing them in their classroom and, you know, oh, I didn't even know he could do that. I didn't know what it, how, what level his receptive language was at, you know? So observing in the classroom, but, you, but you're right. If you don't know those disabilities and, and those triggers, it's, it makes it extremely difficult to manage students. Mm -hmm. Correct. And not just management, Mike, like in my self-contained class, I'll give you a, 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 an example. I had a young student who was six years old and we were trying to come up with, I was trying to come up with activities that would really get him engaged. And, and, and he had like basically no ability to control anything except for his head movement. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so his communication was limited. So one day I thought, what do six boys like, six-year-old boys like? Well, they like race cars. Okay, so we set up a, a big mat on a, a folded mat on two big scooter boards, and we did race car activities. And he loved it, and he beamed. And that communication to me was that beaming, that smiling and laughing and giggling was, yeah, got it right this time. Then I thought, what else can I do for this child? He's always in an upright position in his wheelchair. Well, I'm going to put him in a horizontal position. So I set up a wagon, and we we, we put it so that he was very, very um, well stabilized on the wagon. And we went in the hall. And then what else does a six-year-old boy like? They like to be naughty. So we went and we got, yeah, so it was fun. We went and we got in the elevator, not accessible by students. And we went up and down the elevator. Then we, and he, we went to different hallways that he could never access. We went to the fourth grade wing. There's all this artwork and academic work up on the walls. It was very visually stimulating to this child. Then the best one was we ran in the hall because we're not supposed to run in the hall. <laughs> it was just really fun, and he he got a lot out of that. Absolutely. So there's you know you have to look at all the domains when you're working with kids with special needs. You look at the psychomotor domain, the cognitive domain, and especially the social emotional domain domain, and really try to hit on activities and events that are going to make them happy and are fun. And I would have to imagine that just like any teaching that this there's a lot of trial and error that goes into that. I'm sure this wasn't the first idea you had that, oh, let's try this. Oh, it worked. I'm perfect. This is amazing. Like there's a lot of let's see how the student responds to this. It might work. It might not. Uh, where, where, like, where else could you find these ideas from if you're struggling to make those kind of connections? I really we're really in a great time to learn from our homes, from our offices, you just, I, I've learned a lot from Voxer. There's an Voxer, a Voxer adapted PE chat that you can get on, ask questions, and you will get answers immediately. And then this will start conversations and you'll get more answers and more answers. Twitter is a great resource. There's a Facebook site, adapted PE specialist, that's amazing. There's, if you just have to really search, you want the information, once again, think outside the box and look for resources. I love it. How about you, Laura? Uh, I would say conferences or professional, any professional development opportunity, whether it's, Laura went through the mountains again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, so all, all the brilliance that you just said, say it again. After you said, uh, <laughs> after you said conferences, we'll start from there. Oh yeah. Oh, so just yeah. I know, man. That was a great answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe she got it on camera. Um, no. So I think going to conferences and then professional development opportunities of any sort, whether it's someone coming to your county to present or some, sending someone from a county to go to a conference, gather all this really good information and then bring it back and share it with colleagues. I think that's kind of the way that we're at it right now, which is great, is people and seeing those presenters, you know, really spreading the word on adaptive PE. And this is in no way influenced by the fact that you and Tracy just came back from an amazing conference in San Diego, is it? 
that was a great conference. We, yeah, we got some really good material. We were able to present four times, which was nice. Um, wow. Outstanding. We just learned so much being surrounded by other adapted physical educators. You know, you say, oh, okay, good. That That's how you're doing that. All right. That's a great idea. This is how I'm going to do it. Now I have, I have yeah. another question that I, I want to throw out there. I want, it feels kind of personal. Like I'm asking you just for my own benefit, but I'm sure there's other people who have the same question as well. How do you deal with paraprofessionals who come into the gym and how do you maximize their presence? Cause I, I know, and again, I'm, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not speaking from experience, but a lot of times a para will come in and they think that's kind of their off period. The, the PE teacher is running the show right now. I can sit and doodle on my phone for 45 minutes. What, what are some tips or tricks or strategies that you can use to engage a para to make sure that the child is as successful as possible, but that they're feeling worthwhile and beneficial during that time as well? Well, I think the first thing is to, to be sympathetic and understand that, that these paraeducators, instructional assistants are with these students five days a week for however many hours, you know? So I think we kind of have to stop and process that. Um, but what I found that works, you know, the best for me and, and is just kind of cute, cute and cuddly is I just have them sign a, an agreement at the beginning of the year, you know, that's really fluffy. And it just says, Hey, if you're injured, this is what you can do. These are the expectations. And then throughout the year, if there's ever a time that we need to just coincidentally all review the expectations, they see that they've signed that paper and they think, okay, I need to get back on track. Um, and I another really good thing is, yeah. is understanding that paraeducators and instructional assistants may not be auditory learners either, mm -hmm. you know, so <laughs> providing them a visual and maybe a note card with instructions of a station written down, you know, because they're learning too. They don't know all of this stuff. For sure. Yeah. I think, Mike, a common uh, misconception of physical educators is that the paras enter the gymnasium and know what's expected of them. Kind of build on what Laura said, you know, she does the contract. I'm working in an applied behavioral analysis program. And so I try to present my class with them in mind as well, like Laura was saying. And um, I try to make it so they buy into my program. And sure. one way I found of doing that is um, acknowledging their worth all the time. Like, hey, man, I couldn't do this without you. It's like, you know, it's controlled chaos in here with you here. Can you imagine if you weren't? It'd just be chaos. Um, <laughs> you know, and create that team bonding and listen to them and let them know, hey, you know the kids best. We always have, my teacher assistants always know when they enter the gymnasium or the pool or whatever that I'm going to ask them, what's up with so-and-so today? Mm -hmm. Because I know there's certain kids yeah. that have really bad home lights, you know, dysfunctional, unhealthy home lights. I want to make sure that I know what those kids' abilities are that day because they change on a daily basis. I think Laura touched on, too, you have to know your students. You, have, you, you are not a standalone person when you're an adaptive PE teacher. You're part of a team, and, you know, you're part of a developmental team for that child to develop the best, the whole child. So very important to be a good listener with them as well as a good leader with them. No. Yeah, and make make it fun for them. If they're bored, you know, or if your lessons are bored and you're bored, everyone else is bored. And, True. You know, implement a, a pedometer challenge with them. Put pedometers on, on your teacher assistants and, you know, whoever has the most at the end of the week gets da-da-da-da-da. But that'll encourage them to interact more with the students as well. 
kind of tug on those competitive <laughs> spirit strings there a little bit. Huh? I like, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. You know, also they know more about the program than anybody. Um, they're with, like Laura said, they're with those kids 24 seven. I'll tell you an incident that happened at our school. When I first took over the ABA program, I had TA saying, Oh my gosh, we're inside all day. We never get out. And I said, you're not going to the playground. And they said, no, we're not allowed to access the playground because our students may have behaviors and not come up. So I said, well, that's going to be our new unit and APE. And we built up a program where we taught the kids how to use specific pieces of equipment. We also um, taught them how to come up. We gave them the skill set needed by teaching them and putting them in that situation to help them leave the playground in an appropriate manner. Especially tracking through ABA. You know, you, right. you're tracking behaviors and you're gaining all that data, but you're gaining all that data in one environment. So, Correct. right. But it, we need to generalize. Yeah, they're, exactly. in, they're in a bubble. And in order to be mm -hmm. successful out in the real world, you know, those environments change all the time. So, yeah, you might have a little bit of a bump in the road and you might have some negative behaviors come out, but. You know, just like in any class, mistakes is how you learn. So, you know, if you don't present them with that environment, that antecedent, they're never going to learn how to regulate themselves in that situation. So, exactly. It's a lot of advocating, Mike. It's yeah. a lot of saying, I am the PE expert here. I know what is best developmentally yeah. in every area for these kids. But I want to touch on the generalization, what we were talking about, taking a skill and learning it in one place like the gymnasium and then taking it to another and generalizing it. Mm -hmm. I tend to use that now that my kids can access the playground. If we have a unit in the gymnasium, I'll take that unit out to the out to the blacktop neck right next to the playground and I will work on a first then type concept. Sure. So first we're going to do this activity and then you're going to earn the playground. There you go. And another just thinking outside the box, trying to help them have appropriate behaviors in many more than one environment. Which, and I feel like that also speaks to what you were mentioning earlier about the idea that we assume a child knows how to go on the playground and then get off. Or, you know, can self, like you assume, it, well, well, every kid knows how to do that. Sometimes they need to be taught, this is what, you know, again, the first this, then that idea. And surprise, surprise, once you put the time in to teach it, the kids now have that skill set and can accomplish anything really. Right. So to, I, I really wish that we could sit here all day and, and, and talk about this, but I, I want to be respectful of everyone's time on a Sunday. We could probably do this for another hour. Absolutely. <laughs> if, to, to anyone- That's about how long my ride is. That's yeah, hey. <laughs> Laura's in, Laura's in. I Tune in it. next month for part two. I'm thinking <laughs> of any teacher and every teacher who maybe doesn't have experiences or a lot of experiences with students with disabilities who's still a little apprehensive and gun shy about how can I make my program work in you know with these modifications. What would you say, Laura, is the biggest misconception about APE that needs to be debunked right now? That it's gonna happen overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not going to learn disabilities and change everything overnight. So we have to be patient and focus on the skills. I tell general PE teachers, focus on what you are teaching these students already, not what you're not. Because if you're teaching them how to wait their turn and stand in a line and, 
you know, how to cooperate or have a sense of humor. You're teaching those functional skills that they need to make it in the real world. You know, they may not need to know how to shoot a basketball, so that might be ugly form. But if they waited their turn at the foul line, then that's, you know, a plus. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Yeah, I would also say, like, uh, know your shape national standards and outcomes and focus on that. Like for my students, they cannot access general PE because they lack all the pro-social skills that go along with uh, standard number four for personal and social responsibility. So I, I focus on that with them. I don't focus as much on their gross motor skills because they have adequate gross motor skills and potentially cognitive skills to enter the gymnasium, to enter general PE. So, you know, focus on the skills that they need work on. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And like I said, I wish we had more time for this conversation because I think there's so much more we can go into. But Tracy and Laura are both very, very active on the yeah. the conference scene in terms of presenting. So if you see their names pop up anywhere, please, please, please make sure to at least stay high, but definitely stop it and see what they have to offer. Uh, we're going to link both their Twitter handles onto our show notes. So if you have any further questions about what we talked about today, you can reach out to them d directly. They are individually a wealth of knowledge combined. There's They're an absolute powerhouse. So Laura, Tracy, thank you both so much for hopping on with us today. I can't tell you how much it means to us and to everyone who's listening. Well, thank you. We, we're both very grateful for your time. We are. And thank Laura, you very much. And Laura, make sure you get home safely. Thanks again, Mom. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I'm sure this is going to be an episode that brings up a lot of questions and comments and people who would just want to learn more about Adapted PE, uh, Universal Design, all that good fun stuff. We're going to link Tracy and Laura's contact info on Twitter. Uh, on our show notes, you can always email the show directly at openforumpod at gmail.com. You can tweet the show directly at openphyzed. If you have specific questions for Mike Miller or myself, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at physedfreak. And I'm at coachmillerpe. So keep those questions and comments coming, folks. We truly want to make this show an open forum. Until next time, stay active, everyone. This podcast and all of the great services provided by Open are made possible through the support of U.S. Games and BSN Sports. Every time you purchase physical education and athletic equipment through U.S. Games and BSN Sports, you are supporting a network of teachers helping teachers. Open is a public service organization. Learn more at openphyzed.org.